Welcome to Noblesville First United Methodist Church online worship. We are so glad that you're joining us this morning, no matter where you're tuning in from or who you are or where you've been. We are so glad that you are here. I am Pastor Jill Moffitt. Please join me in the call to worship. Today we gather around God's table from near and far. We are the people of God. Though we differ in language, custom, and tradition, we are the people of God. For there is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. We are the people of God. We are one, and together we worship the God of our salvation. We are the people of God. I now invite you to join us in our call to prayer. O God, giver of life, we pray for the church and the whole world. I invite you to join with me by saying, Hear our prayer, O Lord. Sanctify her life, renew her worship, give power to her witness, restore her unity. Hear our prayer, O Lord. Give strength to those who are searching together for the kind of obedience which creates unity. Hear our prayer, O Lord. And heal the division separating your children one from another, so they will know the unity which the Spirit gives. Hear our prayer, O Lord. Let's take some time for silent prayer. You'll see some prayer concerns listed on the screen that hopefully will help you remember them uh, more fully the rest of the week as you continue to lift these persons up in prayer. And then I'll share a pastoral prayer, and then we'll join together in the Lord's Prayer. Let's pray. Lord, we ask for your spirit to be among us. You tell us to love our enemies. And sometimes, even though we are all Americans in this country, 
We have become so divided that it feels like we have enemies. Help us to put aside that untruth and declare that that you have created all of us. With you as our creator, you as the parent of all, therefore we are called to love our brothers and sisters despite our differences in ideology and political issues or even by the color of our skin. Help us to see that there's that spark of the divine in every person. Help us look for the best in one another. Help us to see the value of the differences that we may have. And because of that unity, especially on this World Communion Sunday, one that calls us to look beyond even our own national borders, but to see all persons, regardless of their point of origin, as your people. In spite of the differences in language, in spite of the differences in culture or religion or even form of government, somehow your people are found everywhere and you bring your spirit to each person. Help us to celebrate that this day, especially, but also the rest of this month as we seek to look beyond this election. Help us to be your people, to be that special people. All this we ask in the name of the one who has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. As we forgive our trespasses, may we also forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Just fine, Rachel. We're great. Hey, Olivia. Will you finish sweeping for me? I have to go help a customer. Oh, sure. Hey, Olivia. Look at all that candy over there. Yeah, Rachel sure does have a lot of candy. Why don't you go over there and stick a couple pieces in your pocket and we'll eat them later. But, Joe, that's stealing. So what? Rachel isn't around. She won't even see you. You're not supposed to steal. What are you? Chicken? Of course I'm not chicken. Then go over there and take some. No, I'm going to do what's right and stealing is wrong. You must be chicken. Chickens aren't any fun. Well, I don't care. Stealing is wrong. But look at all those candy bars. Wouldn't you like to have one? Yeah, but I'm not going to steal it. Thanks for sweeping for me, Olivia. Here's a candy bar for helping me. Jill, you can have one too. I know you would have helped if I had asked. Thanks, Rachel. See, Jill, I didn't have to steal it. But what if Rachel wasn't so nice? You just got lucky. The point wasn't to get candy, it was to do the right thing. We're supposed to do what's right no matter what, even if nobody's watching. I think I understand, Olivia. Thanks for talking with me and not ratting me out to Rachel. You're welcome, Jill. I'll see you later. Bye. Good morning, I'm Olivia Pavich. I'm Patrick Dieterlin. Our scripture reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 21, verses one through 11. 
When they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, on the Mount of Olives, Jesus gave two disciples a task. He said to them, Go into the village over there. As soon as you enter, you will find a donkey tied up and a colt with it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that their master needs them. He sent them off right away. Now this happened to fulfill what the prophet said, Say to daughter Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and riding on a donkey, and on a colt the donkey's offspring. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had ordered them. They brought the donkey and the colt and laid their clothes on them. He sat on them. Now a large crowd spread their clothes on the road. Others cut palm branches off the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds in front of him and behind him shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up. Who is this, they asked. The crowds answered, It's the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words in my mouth and meditations of each of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Lord, you are our strength, our rock, and our Redeemer. Amen. I remember the first time I was able to vote in an election. I was a senior in high school in Knoxville, Tennessee. The year was 2000. It was a pivotal moment in my life that I will never forget. My mom walked me into the voting booth and helped me cast my first vote. There's something meaningful about letting your voice be heard in this way. Although I had been following some of the elections before that time, this time was different. I could feel like I could actually be part of the conversation. Do you remember the first time you voted? Or if you were not yet old enough, are you longing for or maybe even dreading the day you're eligible to vote? Every four years, we find ourselves in this in-between time, a time filled with tension, with the unknown, and also, unfortunately, hateful rhetoric, name-calling, accusations, and division. Many are saying that this particular election season will be one of the most divisive and contentious that our country has ever seen. Regardless of how it turns out, at least 50% of our country will be angry and disappointed. Yet, here we are, trying to coexist, trying to be human together, trying to make positive change in our communities. So how can we live peacefully and lovingly in this contentious season, both before the election and after the election? How can we be Christ followers in a society that is so divided? And how can we be the church in this anxiety-driven, fearful time? Several months ago, your pastor sat down to talk about what kinds of sermon topics we could offer to you, the congregation, in the last few months of the year. We knew that the election would be on everyone's mind and everyone's news stories, and that tensions would be high. So this series, Beyond the Election, is meant to offer you both hope in the midst of challenging times and a sense of unity that we all share in Christ. No matter what side of the aisle we find ourselves on, we are reminded that at the end of the day, we are all one in Christ Jesus. We are reminded that at the end of the day, we are called to be living examples of Christ here and now, 
especially here and now. The problem that we run into, however, is that the Jesus we follow tends to look a a lot and believe a lot like we do. If you are a Democrat, Jesus sounds a lot like a Democrat. If you are a Republican, Jesus sounds a lot like a Republican. If you are a Libertarian, Jesus sounds a lot like a Libertarian, and so on. We need to be reintroduced to the real Jesus, not just the Jesus that we know, not just the Jesus that looks like us or believes just like us, but the real Jesus of the Gospels. The Jesus who comes not to further the, the agenda of any political party or power, but comes to preach and teach the kingdom of God here on earth. And how does he do that? By going up against the political powers of his day, the kingdoms of the world, he does this by engaging in a radical act of protest of what we know today to be Palm Sunday. Biblical scholars teach us that there were two processions that entered Jerusalem that spring day in the year 30. The city was stirred up, our text says, because thousands of pilgrims were entering into the city to celebrate the Passover. Every year, the key Jewish festival swelled Jerusalem's population from 50,000 people to 200,000 people. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing when he sent for those animals that he would ride into the city. Knowing that the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, would be riding into the city on the other side with his war horse. He would come in with his imperial majesty to remind the Jewish pilgrims that Rome demanded their complete loyalty, obedience, and submission. Even as the Jewish people were gathering to commemorate their freedom from slavery in Egypt, this military-type procession reminded them that they, in a sense, were still enslaved to these oppressive powers. One step out of line, and they could be killed. So, As Pilate marched in from the west, sending a clear message of force and terror, Jesus approached from the east, looking by contrast ragged and absurd. Jesus came defenseless, weaponless, and riding on a farm animal, not a mighty warhorse. He came with the message that his kingdom was one of love, humility, long-suffering, and sacrifice. Do not be mistaken. This was not a meek move by Jesus. It was a dangerous and a radical one. He made the choice to go up against the powers of Rome, to lead a counter-procession. He came to make a bold statement to the authorities that this king, riding on a donkey, will banish war from the land. There will be no more chariots, war horses, or bows. This king will command peace to the nations, It will be a king of peace. As Pastor Matt challenged us last week, Jesus was not a peacekeeper, but a peacemaker. There is a difference. The peacemaking Jesus is not a meek and mild, gentle Jesus, but a rebel of sorts. The peacemaking Jesus is not necessarily the Jesus we were taught about in Sunday school growing up. The idea of a Jesus who causes trouble and is labeled as a rebel is usually not at the top of our list when we think of our Lord and Savior. It might even make us uncomfortable. But as we enter into this election season, I believe it is crucial 
that we understand that the Jesus of the Gospels does not adhere to any worldly powers or kingdoms, and in fact goes against these in a powerful way. When we claim the rebel Jesus, it will require of us a radical reprioritization of all that we deem valuable and for all that for which we have loyalty. The kingdom that this rebel Jesus represents is in a stark contrast to a secular and highly politicized culture obsessed with materialism, accumulation, greed, ego, and power. It seems that each of us are guilty of falling into any number of these categories and losing our focus on Christ, forgetting what it means to profess Jesus as Lord. How quickly we forget that the Roman Empire, after the death and resurrection of Jesus, we forget that professing Jesus is Lord was heresy and treason, because under Roman law, Caesar was Lord. To proclaim anything other than that was oftentimes a death wish. Early Christians accepted the clear and present danger of following Jesus and proclaiming him as Lord. A colleague of mine, Mike Slaughter, writes in his book, The Renegade Gospel, that it was only when Christianity became legalized in 313 by Constantine, the Caesar of Rome, that Christians stopped causing trouble. The gospel of Christ became civilized. The church tamed Jesus seen as a docile figure. Christians began to value, honor, and prioritize a worldly system, ideology, and politics over the kingdom of God. For God and country became the rallying cry for Christians instead of Jesus is Lord. As we approach this election season, the fear is that we have lost all sense of civility and peace amongst ourselves. The feeling is that we have lost focus on what really matters. There's a sense of hopelessness, a loss of kindness, and an impossibility of actually listening to one another and being in a productive conversation. We only had to turn on the debate the other night to witness this firsthand. When Jesus engaged in his bold act of protest on that Palm Sunday thousands of years ago, he did so knowing that this act was the beginning of the end. He riding to Jerusalem that day in a time of civil unrest and even chaos. He kept on knowing what was on the line. He too would stir people up. He too would challenge the authorities. He too would place himself on the front lines, not the kingdoms of this world, but for the kingdom that he hoped would become a reality. We, like the people of Jerusalem that day, find ourselves in a time of civil unrest and chaos. We are witnessing multiple processions and parades, each one touting their own agendas and their hopes for the future of this country. Many of us don't really know even what to believe or where to turn for answers, especially answers of hope. So we have a choice to make. During this election season, we can choose to sink or swim. We can choose to get caught up in the procession with the powers of this world, or we can choose to humble ourselves before Jesus, 
who comes from the other side of the city, riding a humble animal and preaching a kingdom of love and peace. We can choose to do harm to those with whom we disagree. We can choose to put our defenses up. We we can choose to let our anger take over. Or we can choose to do good. We can choose peace. We can choose to be messengers of hope. So which will it be? On this World Communion Sunday, we are called to gather with Christians around the world to the table of our Lord, the table of grace, the table of hope, the table of peace. This table binds us together in unity, regardless of which political party we support, regardless of where we stand on the hot-button topics, regardless of any agendas we are holding on to. We are invited to come, to find unity in the midst of division, and to choose peace. My prayer for us as we enter into this time of civil unrest and uncertainty is that we will find our hope and peace in Christ alone. This election season, let's choose Jesus. Let's refocus. Let's invite the Holy Spirit in and remember the power of saying, Jesus, Jesus is Lord. Amen. Each week, We take a moment during the service to recognize a ministry that is supported by your faithful giving. On this World Communion Sunday, when we come together to celebrate a meal at the Lord's table with our brothers and sisters around the world, we want to lift up the ministries that are helping feed hungry people here locally and around the world. Our Teeter Farm has donated 5,975 servings of fresh organic produce this year, towards the goal of 10,000 servings, and will be able to continue to donate through November due to the generosity of this church and others helping to provide covered tunnels for extended growing seasons. That doesn't include the more than 10,000 eggs that have been donated over the last three seasons from our chickens. To continue the 10,000 trend, The goal for the crop walk was to raise $7,000 for local and world hunger, and we ended up raising more than $10,000. All the while, our volunteers here at Dinners on Us have continued through the pandemic to provide free meals locally to those in need in our community. Thank you for all of your support in feeding hungry people. If you'd like to learn more about how you can volunteer to prepare, harvest, or deliver any of that food, please reach out to the church office for information. For other opportunities to serve, please check the Opportunities to Serve card on our website or church app. We are still looking for a few ushers to help ush our indoor services starting next week. If you're able to help in that way, please reach out to Bonnie Zickraff, our hospitality coordinator, or call the church office. And now, as we move into our time of offering, which is available online through our church app or by mailing a check to the church office, will you please join me in a word of prayer, asking God to bless this offering. God, we thank you for the ways you bless us. May we also extend that blessing to our community and to the world as we break bread and drink wine together with the world today. 
May we view that world as our community and your kingdom. We ask that you take these gifts, these tithes, these offerings, and use them for your kingdom today. In Christ's name, amen.
Today is World Communion Sunday, which means Christians all over the world are sharing in this special sacrament. We want to remind you that we as United Methodists believe that communion is something that should be shared in by all persons of all ages and wherever you might be in your spiritual journey. We believe it's a means of grace and we never want to stand in the way of that. When we share the bread, we're first reminded by the life that Jesus lived, how he showed us the way and also how he offered that unconditional love to every person he met, whether it was a child or a sinner or someone that society has put aside and considered an outcast. He reached out to all. So on that night, he lifted the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. So I advise you at this time, whatever you have in the house that comes close to resembling bread, cracker, or whatever, please pull it out and share in the body of Christ. Likewise, we remember the cup, which represents his blood. It offers the sacrificial love that was most vividly expressed on the cross. But on the night he was with the disciples, in that last week in which he was preparing them for his death and his resurrection, he lifted the cup and after having given thanks, he said, this is the blood of the new covenant shed for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this in remembrance of me. And so, on this World Communion Sunday, let us pray. Lord, unite us with Christians throughout the world. We we know as we're sharing the good news, living out the gospel, trying to share your love, peace, and grace, and justice in many parts of the world. Bring us together and make us a special people that we might be that, that leaven to the rest of the world, showing them a true light, living lives that are extraordinary and people desiring to follow so they'll desire to be yours as well. Bless this cup and this bread that is now coming to our bodies. May it nourish our souls and cause us to live as a forgiven, a redeemed, and empowered people. Through Christ we pray. Amen.
few announcements to bring to your attention. This day is the last day that there is worship out at Teeter, so next Sunday will be the first Sunday of indoor worship here in the sanctuary. Notice the times will be different. They'll be at 8.30 and 11 o'clock. We have a limit to stay socially distanced in this sanctuary room of 75 persons in the pews. So you'll need to make a reservation. Just go to our website where you'll find the Save Me a Seat button. It's right below the uh, daily prayer on the website. Mask will be required and conversations will need to be taken outside. Our family worship team is planning to launch a few weeks later on November the 1st at 9.45 in Celebration Hall. They're inviting you to bring your own lawn chairs or a blanket and sit as a family pod. We'll be socially distanced from one another. The worship will be designed to engage both parents and children. So look forward for more details as we continue to talk about that. Today we want to celebrate the finish of our Crop Walk Hunger Virtual Walk. It was uh, raised a total of $10,615 as of Thursday. So we want to thank our Noblesville First team who put all that effort and work in to get the word out. And we certainly want to thank all those who donated for this record-breaking amount. Tomorrow, Monday, October the uh, 5th, is the blood drive from 3 to 6 p.m. in Celebration Hall. Registration uh, is required ahead of time. As of Thursday, there were only eight spots left, so please be sure to check the website to find the link. No walk-ins are allowed, so registration is required. You'll enter the church uh, to donate blood on the south entrance, which is the one by the football field. Go to the Celebration Hall from there, and you'll be directed what to do next. The vineyard is now forming branches and is in search of branch facilitators. So reach out to myself at jrairdon at noblesofirst.com or care at noblesofirst.com to share your interest and to learn more about how we can connect as a congregation this winter and beyond. We're holding today, this afternoon, a starting point session that's intended for new people wanting to learn more about our Noblesville First Ministries or for people who are ready to formally become a member of our church family. Starting point will be held as a Zoom gathering today at 6.30. It'll just last one hour. We plan to receive new members on Sunday, October 25th. Our family minister team is announcing that we are hosting a Halloween parade on Sunday, November 1st at 5.30 p.m. in the church parking lot. Decorate your car. Come to receive treats. They'll be provided by donations of our Noblesville First members, and we will, between now and then, be collecting in our church office donations to be handed out on that day. Veteran day is, Veterans Day is November the 8th, and we're seeking names of veterans to honor on that Sunday. Please share names with our pastoral care team using the care at noblesofirst.com email to make sure that we have thought of everybody. Bonnie Zitcraft is starting a daily prayer experience beginning October the 12th. It'll be hosted as a Facebook Live experience, and she's seeking the best times to hold these prayer times Monday through Friday. She's open to holding them at different times on different days, so please share using her email at bzitcraft at noblesofirst.com. And finally, uh, Bonnie is also our hospitality coordinator, so if you're new to Noblesville First, Online, or you've been in person recently and like to know more, uh, email Bonnie at bzitcraft at noblesofirst.com. She has a free gift for you that she can either deliver to your door or have mailed to you, and she'll also share a little bit of information about her Noblesville First Ministries. Thank you.
Now go forth to choose Jesus, to choose peace, and to remember that Jesus is Lord. Amen. Thank you.